0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. A poll has revealed, and this is in the Sydney Morning Herald, that most Australians believe in God, but a majority also believe in miracles, life after death and angels, and many believe in astrology and UFOs. This is what Australians believe. I'm talking about what we believe. A Nielsen poll for Fairfax newspapers show Australia is a credulous nation willing to mix and match religious faith with belief in other phenomena. Although Australians are widely considered to be secular people, nearly half of the population believe in psychic powers such as extrasensory perception, while 41% 41 believe in astrology. Research shows that Australians are more religious than we might have thought. 68% of us believe in God or a universal spirit. That does not mean God, the Father in heaven. That just means in a God. And I want to clarify that because you can believe in a God, but you've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died and rose again that you might have life and forgiveness from sin. Not only do Australians believe in God, but they... 63% 63% believe in miracles and 53% believe in life after death. Angels are also popular with 51% of respondents saying they believe in them. Slightly more than 49% who hold faith in psychic power such as ESP. 34% of Australians believe in US, UFOs and 22% think witches exist. We all believe stuff. We all believe in different things. That's not some Bible college document I got. That was was the Sydney Morning Herald. We believe in a whole lot of things. We we place our faith in things and place our conviction in things and hold on to certain things. And I believe it's so important that as Christians, we are people who have right believing, who believe in the right thing, who believe in things that are supernatural, that can help and build our lives for the kingdom of God to go forward. If you have a Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of John. John chapter 20. It's a very well-known story, and it's actually a story I've never preached on before in the Bible. Jesus had died and he had risen again, and Thomas was doubting. And, and in many ways, that's why Thomas was often referred to in folklore and in, in, in times gone by as doubting Thomas, because this was a pretty significant moment of doubt for Thomas. And the Bible says here in John 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he took Thomas reach your fingers here. He took my hand, reach your hand there, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Can I just say right there, that's a word from God for you and me as well. Do not be unbelieving, be believing. Do we have any believers in the house? Then I saw her face, I'm a believer. And Thomas answered him and said to him, my Lord and my God. Oh man, I'm getting happy tonight. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen him in the flesh. I've never seen his nail pierced hands. I've never seen him in person. But I can tell you, I felt his effect in my life. I've never seen the wind, but I felt the wind. I've been in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, and I saw what the wind did to that city. It leveled and flooded as city Signs knocked over, glass blown out of buildings. Can I tell you, no one saw the hurricane, but they knew that there was the existence of the hurricane for what it did to that city. I've never seen Jesus, but I can tell you I live forgiven. I live washed clean by the precious blood of his son, of Jesus. And I can live a life in the grace of God, free from sin, free from bondage, free from condemnation. Why? Because he's real. I haven't seen him, but I walk in the blessing of Jesus. And maybe in this room, you might never have seen Jesus. I can't show you Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of God, the Father in heaven. But I can tell you by His Spirit, you can know Jesus. You can know. To me, Jesus is as real as any person sitting in this room because He's my friend. And I believe in Him. And I'm blessed because I believe, but I haven't seen. And I want to look at this because there's a few words. And I want to show you some original language here. The word blessed in the Greek means supremely blessed fortunate, well off, and happy. You are supremely blessed if you believe, and that means to have faith in or upon, and to put trust in. If you can put your trust in the unseen person of Jesus, then he says... You are supremely blessed, you are well off, and you are happy. I'm not talking about financially. I'm saying there there is a, a well-being that you walk in because you have met the Lord, even though you haven't seen Him and you believe. There is power in believing in God. There is power in believing in Jesus. The world believes a whole lot of things. Now, let me say this before I get going there's no such thing as, and even though it's said, you just got to believe what's truth to you is truth to you. And if that's what you believe, then that's truth. To me, what's truth to me is irrelevant. It doesn't make it true. What's truth is what is true, factual, accurate, and true. I can tell you right now, there is a speaker sitting right here on the platform. I believe it because it's there, you can see it, it's tangible, it exists, it's happening, it's right there. Now, you might say, well, I don't believe it's there. It doesn't actually change whether or not that's there based on what we believe. I'm not getting into an apologetics message here at all, but I am just trying to say, we've got to not just believe, but we've got to live with right believing. And, and, And the Bible talks about rightly dividing this word of truth. Now, I want to say this about the Bible. I believe this Bible contains the truth. The Bible is the truth. It's complete. It's accurate. And people get into co- comments about translation or whatever translation change along the way. Let me tell you something. When God himself says, elevate this book, I like, elevate this word above my name. Can I tell you, I believe his hand guided that whole process of translation from then until now. So what we have in our hand is something that he aggressively fought for. He didn't just know the word. He didn't just speak the word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. Jesus was this word. He cares about what's in that book and if you read it from Genesis to Revelation you read the whole counsel of God and it's good for your soul I know I'm yelling I'm just getting excited a little bit on a Sunday night on winter in winter it's a hot night so I'm just trying to preach a bit hot I tell you that's hot that's creepy really all through the gospel of John Jesus talked about believing and right believing all through the gospel of John And I want to have a look at this for just a few moments because I I really do believe that there are benefits of right believing, benefits, believing in God according to his word. And this is a simple message, but if you have an iPad or an iPhone or if you're on a pretty tight budget and you've got a Samsung, I'd love you to pull it out for just a minute and write some stuff down, find a piece of paper, use an offering slip, just make sure you give an offering at the end of it, that's fine. But, I, but I, I want to have a look here about the benefits of believing. Somebody say the benefits. Great, of believing. Number one. If we have a look at, we're going to have a look at a bit of scripture tonight. John chapter 3 and verse 12. I'll read that and tell you what the benefit is. John chapter 3 verse 12. It says this. I have told you earthly things and you do not, do not believe. This is Jesus speaking. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? What he's saying here, firstly, the benefit of believing is belief unlocks a heavenly perspective. Belief unlocks a heavenly perspective. We have to believe with a heavenly perspective. Jesus, when he was teaching us to pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven on earth is the will of God in our heart and in our life. And so he goes on. Now, if you want to have a little look at at what that actually means as far as what does heaven on earth look like or the blessings that we find in the heavenly dimension, you can turn to Ephesians chapter chapter 1. And I'll read you just a couple for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 1 and Romans, Ephesians. We're just going to walk around the Bible for a little bit. Let me encourage you. You might have a Bible on a smartphone, and by all means, if that works for you in church, grab it. But I still encourage people, you need to get a good old school Bible that you can scribble in. Mine just seems to fall over at the right places most of the time, just not tonight. Let's have a look at Ephesians 1, verse 3. I'm in Ephesians 2. I'm going well here tonight. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, In heavenly places. Somebody say, in heavenly places. In Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption. You're adopted as sons and daughters, the Bible says, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace. He has made each of us accepted. You're adopted, and here you're accepted. In him, the Bible says, verse number." Uh, seven. In him we have redemption. Somebody say redemption. Yes. Through his blood, forgiveness of sins. This is awesome. According to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound to us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, he purposed himself, that in this dispensation of the fullness of time, he may gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth. In him we've also obtained In inheritance, I don't have time to preach on all these blessings, but let me tell you a little bit about the inheritance. It's a twofold inheritance. It's an inheritance in that you and I inherit the goodness of God. We inherit heaven. We inherit eternal life. We inherit every spiritual blessing. But do you know something? As much as he's our inheritance, we're his inheritance. We're the thing he's been waiting for. Do you realize he loved you so much? He cared about you so much that if you would believe one of the benefits of heaven, one of the heavenly benefits that come into our life and should rule in our perspective is that not only are we, uh, is he our inheritance, but we are his. Do you realize we have a saviour who is longing for that day that we burst through those streets of gold and get into heaven and he can just stand there and go this is why i sent my son you are the inheritance of god what a privilege i preached on insecurity this morning how can you be insecure when you know the creator of the universe is counting down the days he's not going to kill you but he's counting down the days until you storm into heaven and he can say man well done i've been waiting for this this is our benefit give us from heaven yeah. and if we live in that sense of belief we can live with that it's part of our perspective some of us are looking for approval in all the wrong places yeah. I need this person I need a guy to like me I need people to think I'm pretty I need people to think I'm cool I need I need, I need a certain number of likes on Instagram I need the double tap I need the snap I need the uh, s- snappity snap I don't know what it is you need but can I tell you I've started to say God there's a lot of things I need that might be weird, might be insecure, but God, I need them from you. I, I don't need the affirmation of, of my peers to feel like I'm somebody. I want to walk in who I am, who you've called me to be. And when you live with a heavenly perspective that comes by right believing, you live in the goodness of God. I'm adopted into the family. of Can I tell you, in, in Jewish law, if you, if you got adopted, I'm spending way longer on this point than I'm on the other 43. Now, Jesus teaches adoption. In Roman law, Jewish law, if you're adopted, well, say the firstborn son, say the biological son, he gets all the benefits. He gets the inheritance, the birthright. He gets everything. He gets everything in his father's house, goes to the firstborn son, done and dusted. He is like the favoured child. If you are adopted as a male into that same household and you are older than the firstborn, you step in and take every subsequent blessing because adoption is so powerful in Bible times that it's not a joke. There is a, there, every benefit that comes with a family line. The point that I'm trying to make, you and I are adopted into the family of God and have every subsequent benefit therein. in. Man, I, how can, I don't understand how Christians can be defeated when you get a revelation of God's love for us. Man. He loves me. He loves you. Number two, belief unlocks the blessing of eternal life. Belief unlocks the blessing of eternal life. I don't know if you noticed, but we are in John 3. And I want to keep going with some well-trodden scripture here tonight that I think you've all known. Even, even the non-believers know this. John chapter 3 and verse 16. Let's even go from verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him. What does believes mean? Have faith in, put trust in. Whoever believes in Him should not perish. Can I tell you what a great scripture that is. Just to read that. But have everlasting or have eternal life. I want to read that again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you that whosoever. Can I say we're all whosoever's, whether you're mean, and nasty, whether you're good, whether you're winning in life or struggling, a whosoever simply means whosoever. God so loved the world. What does the world mean? Every person, every person who's living in darkness for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, I'm a whosoever. Do you know how I can prove it? Because I'm here, I'm alive, I'm a whosoever. It's good proof. You're a whosoever. So whoever, whichever person would believe in him, put their trust in him, put their faith in him. Faith comes from a Greek word, which means confident, persuaded conviction. When you put your persuasions, your convictions, and just say, you know what? Here are the eggs of my life. I'm putting them in your basket. God, I'm, I'm all in. You get to that place where he says, well, there is now a substitutionary thing that happens where I shed my blood, which I'd already done, but it now forgives you. The blood's applied to your life that whosoever believes in him. Does anyone believe in him in this place? So number two, belief unlocks the blessing of eternal life. Can I say, we don't talk about it often, but there is eternal life for every person has been born. There's a heaven again. And there's a hell that you really want to shun. And we don't talk about it too much. I talk to a lot of my pastor friends. How often do you speak about hell? Well, we never talk about hell. But the, the majority of our city without Jesus could easily end up in that place. And I want to encourage us in this room today... Just say, you know, eternal life, we've got to be driven by eternity. We've got to be driven by the fact that Jesus Christ has extended. You know, sometimes we talk about grace. The grace of God is that he's also given us time. Time, a, 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 an amount of time to touch God, to be, to, to be given the opportunity to find him. And we've been given this space of time. And and, and the world is going to do something with this time that we've been given. And I pray that we don't let time run out because there will come a point where it's too late. And I'm not trying to be negative here tonight at all. But the truth is, when we pass from this life, we're going to go somewhere. We could be in heaven or we can be in hell. And, and it seems like you're just trying to make, scare me into the kingdom of God. No, I'm trying to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. I'm trying to tell you that he's got a plan. He sent his son to deliver you from the hands of darkness simply by placing your trust in him. We walk in freedom and we walk in the blessing of eternal life. Number three, it goes on to say in John 3, 18, and, and I can, I'll read through verse 17. It says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Somebody say condemn. Somebody say Condemn. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Somebody say not condemned. and he who does not, But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That word condemnation or to condemn. If a building gets condemned, it means it's no longer fit for use. Some of you, you walk condemned. You think you're not fit for use. You, you think that maybe God doesn't have a plan for you or a purpose for you. You think, you don't know my real story. You know, the Sunday facade that I put on. I think we all do pretty well at putting on a bit of a Sunday kind of, you know, something, something. But the truth is, nobody's condemned beyond use. Nobody's condemned and unfit for use. You might, it's not even God that puts that on you. If you ever feel that, if you ever feel like, I can't do anything for God, X, Y. Can I tell you, if you're feeling condemned, it's a belief issue because you're believing the wrong voice in your life that tells you you're not fit for use. I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians get smashed up by the enemy and he tells them, you've got nothing going for you. You sinned just that little bit too bad. I thank God I'm part of a church that's full of people who have messed up, full of people who have got it wrong, full of people who have got it done dumb things, but by the grace of God, they've said, God, I exchange my stuff for your stuff and the grace of God floods their life and they're living free from condemnation. I, I am not condemned in any way because I believe what the Bible says about me. I'm not perfect, but I'm redeemed and I'm forgiven by the grace of God. Do you believe it in the house? Not if you believe I am, just if you believe it's possible. Tell me, that's the worst amen I've had. I'm free by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Number four, belief, right believing, brings freedom from sin. John chapter 8, want to have a look at verse 24. Jesus is saying, in verse 23, he says, You are from beneath, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not from this world, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. If you do believe that He is He, place your faith in He, you will live free from those sins. You won't die in them, you will live free from them. And I want to live free from sin. Do you know, there's two levels of sin in the Bible. There's sin, singular, and there's sin plural, sin singular means a state of sin, which we're all born into. Every one of us was born into sin. Adam and Eve ate the apple. Wish they'd just eaten the snake, but they ate the apple. And sin entered the world. The Bible says that through one man's sin, death reigned. And and so sin enters the world. And so we, we are, uh, in a lot of ways, at a disadvantage because of that, because now we've been born with a sin nature and a propensity to do wrong. I can tell you, you don't have to teach a kid to be naughty. I don't have to teach my kid to hit his brother. He's figured that out for himself. I don't have to teach a kid to lie. I don't have to teach a kid to protest going to bed. I don't, you don't have to teach those things. It's in, in them. And so my job as a parent is to lead them in the pathways of God to see them grow and be established in their faith. But at the, at, there's going to be a point in James' life and Samuel's life where they have to make a decision by the leading of the Holy Spirit to surrender their lives to Jesus. And, and regardless of their sin, they get taken out of that state of sin into a place of righteousness. Now, you've got to understand there's two things at play. I hope this isn't too deep for you. There's two things at play. There's there's sanctification and justification. Now, a lot of us, we apply grace to sanctific- to justification, but we don't deal with it in light of sanctification. In justification... You're born again. You're free from sin. You're delivered out of sin, and so, boom, you have got the grace of God, so you can live with a great sense of security that you're in the hands of God. But when it comes to sanctification, which is growing in God, growing in our walk with God, there, there is an element of uh, of sin that we have to conquer. We'll never be perfect, but the truth is, as a church, and this church, I love this church. I love the people in it. That I really do believe we've got to live beyond sin. We've got to live beyond unrighteousness and live clean by the grace of God, because all over this place you know as a pastor you you get you get you know a good feel for what's going on but i I want to encourage us as people we're in this world but we're not of this world And I'm not just talking to young people. I'm talking to mums and dads. I I don't even want to let that standard slip in my life where where I fall back into a way of living that doesn't exalt Jesus. There's there's too much of it in the body of Christ. I believe there has to be some holiness come back into the church. The Bible says, without holiness, no man will see God. The Lord says, be holy as I am holy. What's holy? It's living right. It's putting accountability into your life. It's it's saying, hey, when when I'm with the opposite sex, or even now I probably need to say, when I'm with the same sex, I'm going to have godly bounds. and and say, you know what? As for me, I'm going to live pure. I'm going to live righteous and I'm going to live as a child of God. I want to encourage you, young men. If you want to date a young lady, make sure you date her and be honorable with her. Don't, Don't use her to fulfill needs within yourself. Be a man of God. Be a man of integrity. Be a man of purity. Be a man that lives righteous for God. I can tell you when I married Donna, I was able to stand before a company of people that were there and make a pledge to her that I'd be married to her the rest of our life. We had lived right when we, when we got married. We, we live right now, but we had lived right when we got married. And so when we got married that day, it, we, it was a real deal. It wasn't a token formality. It was, God, we're coming into covenant and you've called us to be together. And, and I want to encourage a young person, older person... Society's changing all the time and it's harder and harder to live right. To live clean in a dirty world these days is next to impossible. But can I encourage you? Let's be people who set our belief back in the word of God, belief back in God and say, you know what? I'm not going to be getting drunk anymore. I'm not going to fool around with my girlfriend anymore or boyfriend anymore. I'm not going to live a life that's outside of the parameters of God. Do you know the problem is we try to bargain what's sin and what's not sin? I'll say two things about sin. The first thing, sin is the stuff we do when Jesus isn't enough. I'm going to say it again. Sin is the stuff we do when Jesus isn't enough. And so maybe you're sitting here and you know you've got stuff that's sort of got a hold on you. You know, come back to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need your grace. I need your help. Holy Spirit, just saturate my world. Be spiritual about these things. And the other thing about sin is often we try to say, is this sin or not sin? Should I or shouldn't I? Is that right? Is that right? I don't know if I should be doing this. Is it a sin? Some things are relative. Some things are grey. Some things it's not clear. How far is too far? How many drinks can I have before I'm sinning? What's right? What's wrong? Can I encourage in any decision you ever make where you think, maybe I'm just pushing a little bit of a boundary here. Ask yourself one question. Just simply say this. Does this please God? Does this please God? You know, I've, I've had people justify so many things. They justify this, that, this, that, this, that. I want to encourage you to just live in a space where you go, you know what, every decision I make, I'm going to run it by this test. Does it please God? Are you with me? You've gone very quiet in here. I know when you talk on holiness, everyone gets all blurry. Don't worry, I don't get words of knowledge. Number five, belief accepts the testimony of God and acquaints us with his voice. Belief accepts the testimony of God and acquaints us with his voice. John 10 and verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name and they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep know my voice. I want to get to a place where my belief in God is so strong that I hear his voice. I hear the whispers of God where he speaks to my heart. Some of us, we've... I don't know why I feel this in my heart, but some of us, we've switched off the divine whisper of God because it may not match up with what our human nature wants. Can I tell you the blessing of God is so much more when we live listening to the inner witness of God, when we listen to God's voice. We, you know, you, you, can, you can, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to friendships, we can sear the voice of God because we actually don't have faith that God's got something better for us. I've told this old story many times. If you've been in the church for a number of years, you've heard me tell the story about, a man who had been lost in in the desert, in the middle of obviously, it was very hot. And he came upon this shack. And in this shack, there was a jug of water, and then there was an old pump. And the way these old pumps would work is you would get the you'd get the water that was in the jug, pour it into a funnel in the pump, and you start squeezing the lever of the pump. And then what would happen is it would go into the into the ground, and the suction would pull water up from under the ground. But you would have to take the little bit of water that's there, and prime the pump. So you'd find yourself in that shack with a choice. Do so I drink the water in that, in that jug that's stale, that's murky, that's been there for some time, or do I trust the pump and pour water in? You think about it. If you're parched and you've been in the desert for days and you've got a jug of water, that's a tough choice to make. I don't know what choice I'd make. Because I know one's guaranteed, one's, one's a matter of faith and trust in, in, a, in a pump. Yeah. You know, often we're like that with so many areas of our life, with our money, we're like that with our relationships. We'll we'll date some turkey because we don't trust that if we just prime the pump of God that he's got something good for us. Or we'll we'll stay in a friendship that's totally manipulative, totally hostile to the call of God in our life, totally hostile to our future, and we won't won't lay that down because we'd rather hold on to the murky water because we fear a bit of loneliness, we fear a little bit of rejection, or we fear a bit of pain. Can I tell you, the army of God need to learn to get some thick skin and go, you know something, that's for me and my house... There is no compromise. Can I tell you, it was so much so that when Donna and I were dating, she was a good Baptist girl. And I I always knew that I needed to marry a Pentecostal because I'm Pentecostal. So I said, Donna, you've got to speak in tongues. Now, now, I'm not putting this on you. So Donna's like, why don't? So I said, well, here's the phone number of a lady. Ring her. She'll get you speaking in tongues. So she goes and rings this lady, goes and visits her. The lady prays for a Donna gets baptised in the Holy Ghost. She rings me and says, uh, I'll speak in tongues now. I said, well, let's have a kiss, sweetheart. That's very good. (laughs) That's not true. That's not quite how it happened, the kiss part, but the baptism. Now, I'm not putting that on you. That was just me being youthful and silly. But but do you know something? For me, there 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 were things I can't compromise. I can't compromise the anointing. I can't compromise the call. I can't compromise what God has for me. Yet I watch young people all the time start out so well, but they make a little compromise. And so their whole life becomes a bigger and bigger compromise. And suddenly at the end of their life, they're totally and completely departed from what God had called them to ever do. And they miss out on the destiny that God had for them. Because the Bible's clear, don't be unequally yoked. And some of you, you you, you like girls or you like guys. I don't know why I'm going down this road, but I feel led by the Spirit of God. Can I encourage you? Submit these decisions to Jesus. People come to me and ask my voice all the time, and I get the same statement. You know, they, they, they know God. I don't care if they know God. I don't care if they've seen an angel. My question is, are they on fire for Jesus? Do they have a passion for souls? Do they, do they pray? Do they seek God? Do they live in the Word of God? Are they hungry for His presence? And, and I say all that to say this. We, we've got to come back to a place where we, we accept the testimony of God, acquaint ourselves with the whisper of God, and listen to His voice. There's times where I've been in environments and I've just felt the Holy Spirit say, it's time to go. Home. I don't know why he says it. There's nothing there tangible, but I listen to God. It's time to go. There's times where I want to do something else. God says, hey, you've got to pray. And when I spend that time I pray, the benefits that come as a result of that sensitivity to the voice of God. I'd actually rather please God than please anybody else. There's nobody at Life Point Church that I want to please more than I want to please God. If I I have to not please God to accommodate that person, obviously the enemy has sent that person into my life. When God wants to bless you, he'll send a person into your life. When the devil wants to destroy you, he'll send a person into your life. Your job is discernment. Your job is recognition and saying, God, speak to me. And I am not a pastor that says, hey, cut off all your unsaved relationships. Man, they're the relationships you need. That's your mission field, man. You've got to win lost people to Jesus. Don't do that, but make sure they don't define you. You start defining the world. Can I tell you, I'm not being proud. I'm not being arrogant. But but the world that I live in, I influence the world I live in does it influence me. Why? Because I've made a choice to listen to the whisper of God, be acquainted with God's voice in my life. I hope this is helping somebody. Is it blessing you? You're awesome. Number six, John chapter 12, verse 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? But number six, belief releases the hand of God. I want the hand of God on my ministry, on my family. And I said the wrong word, on my family, on my ministry, on my job, on what I do here. I want God's hand on it. And it comes by believing God. I believe God for things. I believe every week for finances to come to this church. I believe God for lost people to come to this church. I believe God for broken people to come to this church. I want to live in a constant state where I'm always believing God for something. If ever I get to a place where I don't have to believe anymore, well, then I need to stretch my faith because I need, I need bigger need. I need more need. And, you know, in this room here tonight, I, I feel like maybe some of us, we just stopped believing. Even the Bible says, you say to this mountain, believe in your heart. Speak to the mountain." Be cast into the sea. I mean, some of us go, yeah, that's good and figurative. It's what Jesus said. Believing in things. The power of placing your faith in God and our belief in God and see the hand of God working in our life. What does the hand of God speak of? Blessing, favor, power from heaven. All of those things. I want to be a believer. I'm going to show you one more scripture. This is my conclusion. This is so well written, this message, that it even says conclusion. I haven't written conclusion in a long, long time. Matthew, Mark. Let's have a quick look at the book of Mark. Mark chapter 9, verse 24. There's a dad whose son is demon-possessed, going through hell, foaming at the mouth, gnashing teeth, would become rigid, full of devils, full, full of the powers of darkness. And the Lord ministers to his dad and wants to get this kid healed. And Jesus says to the man in verse 23, The father, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And I love what the dad said. Let's get it on the screen if we can. Verse 24, Ben, thank you. The father says this out loud, cried out, said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's actually a noble thing to pray. Pray. Some of us, we're so busy just being all, oh, yes, I believe, I've got to have faith, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm, sometimes you're just going to say, God, I'm, I'm fully struggling with this. Yeah. Yeah. The kids crazy, devils all over, him, whatever your circumstances. That's God's way. The Holy Spirit gave us this in his word. It's actually okay to battle in this area, but don't submit to it. Say, Lord, would you help my unbelief? Some of you, you've lost, your belief is broken. You're not believing anymore. You're not dreaming anymore. You're not. Some of you have been in church a while and you think the call of God's back yonder. It's not. It's not going to happen anymore. It's too far gone. Can I tell you, I I want to encourage you. And Donna's felt this in her heart for for months. We've got to believe again. We've got to to dream again. We've got to believe that God is who he says he is and touch heaven and see the hand of God poured out in this place. I'm believing again. Help my unbelief. i go ask God that all the time. I pray you live in a space where, man, you're on edge every now and then. You go, God, I've got to believe you for something. Circumstances are crazy, but I'm holding on to you. I'm done. I'm finished. That's the end of my message. I told you there was a conclusion. It was very clear. And I'm done. It's over. It's finished now. So let's pray. I did my best. And I, I want to pray that prayer over you tonight. Lord, Lord, help. help my unbelief. Simple prayer could relate to so many different areas in your life. I think there's a few people you need to really reevaluate what you're joining yourself to. So I really feel in God. I'm just going to pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit. I feel like God's just talking to us. Can we stand for a minute? Praise you, Jesus. Let's close our eyes for a minute. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I'm just going to be quiet for about 30 seconds. Just talk to the Lord. I feel like God's speaking to you. If you, if you shift your dish, it's the frequency of heaven. Let him talk to you. Just close your eyes. And just take a minute and hear from the Lord. Jesus. The only of God's is just in it? here. It's the presence of heaven. It's every head bowed, every person in prayer. I just, I just feel like there are people. You're in the room and you just you need to get right with God. You might be a leader. You might be an established church member. In fact, they're sort of the people I'm talking to. Say, so Dave, I just to get my heart right with God. It's not that you're away from Him. It's not that you're locked out of God's presence or locked out of eternity, but you say, Dave, I need to get my life. I just need to get some stuff right in my life. Well, every head's bowed and every eye's closed, i just... I'm just going to pray for you. I need to put your hand up. It's between you and Him feel like there's attitudes that need to be given to God there's hurts that need to be given to God there's junk that needs to be given to God there's sin that needs to be brought into the hands of God and given to God and a chance to change and walk in repentance in this room right now if you'd say Dave you talking to me just open your heart as we pray Lord I pray for every person in this place tonight God that you would You would just come and cleanse and wash. Make new and restore. Lord, we pray the same prayer that David of old prayed. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Lord, I just pray that you would create in your people a clean heart. Just renew and refresh. Lord, I just feel tonight to pray for... Some of our young people just may be a bit bound by stuff online. Or it's a common thing. And God, I'm not trying to make anyone feel awkward or uncomfortable or condemned. But God, I just pray that you walk with people as they face those temptations. And God, help. Them. No one's above messing up. But God, you are so good. And Lord, I just pray. Lord, in our church, just clean the house a little. Clean up hearts and lives. Help us be more like you, God. Lord, I just pray that holiness would be something we all desire. Purity would be something we all desire. Everything we need would be from you in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we love you so, so much. You're our everything. You're our everything. You're our everything. God, you're amazing. We worship and we praise. We worship and we praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. is God good?